So this is going to be an interesting message because I have 25 minutes to do in 15. So you're going to have to listen extraordinarily fast as I speak probably. Oh, thank you, David. Out of, out of control fast here. So we're going to start today uh, on this Ephesians study uh, final message by giving you a summary of the book of Ephesians. And I hope this few-word summary of Ephesians is helpful. So when you think of the book of Ephesians, first of all, I want you to think of the word sit. Um, we spend a large amount of our daily activity sitting, right? And I want this word sit to be uh, uh, reminiscent of a big concept from the book of Ephesians. Uh, as we go to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 7, we're told this. But because of Jesus' great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. And it is by grace you have been saved. Always remember that. It's by the power of God that you're saved. And God raised us up with Christ. And what did he do? He seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace and express in his kindness to us, express in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So every time you are, 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 are sitting around the table or whatever, I want you to remember that the work of Jesus done for you is done. Amen? And you're to rest in that work. Uh, when I take this posture of sitting down, it means there's a cessation from work, a, a, a quitting of striving. And what we have to realize is that God has done the work for us. In, the, in his great love, he has sent Christ. And all we simply have to do is receive and believe it. Amen? And then realize we're seated with him in heavenly places. And I want to encourage you as you sit around and have maybe a, a Mother's Day meal today, especially with your children, tell them, in Jesus you're seated with him in heavenly realm. You are to rest. You don't do anything other than to, to believe it and, and to receive it. Well, the next word is more active. It's the word walk. In the New King James Version of the Bible, specifically in chapter 4, verse 1, we're told this, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. So what the Paul is saying here is this, that in Jesus Christ there is a walk. There is this relational thing going on, this dynamic uh, going on between you and the Lord, and you're to walk with him continually, putting off the old life, putting on the new life in Jesus Christ. So as you walk each day, I don't know about you, but I'm an anxious person. I walk all the time. I've kind of uh, got all this energy. And as you walk, I wanted to remind you that you're in relationship with Jesus and you're walking with him. In fact, today, maybe on Mother's Day, I don't know what you all are going to do, but when my children were little, we always took them on walks to try to wear them out. The only one that wore out was me, but we tried to wear them out, took them to the park. And I would encourage you, as you're taking your children maybe for a Mother's Day walk today, you tell them, walk with Jesus. Every time you walk, you talk to your son or daughter, say, let that remind you that you walk with Jesus through life. And then the last word we're to today is a real common word also, and it's the word stand. It's the word stand. Um, and this is uh, said to us in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13 through 18. So listen to this last word. It's really what our message is on this morning. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist 
with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So three words, sit, right, walk, and stand, summarize the book of Ephesians and our relationship with God and how we're to approach it. And so I want to spend some time talking to you on this last word, stand. Um, What stand means is that I'm planted firmly in my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and nothing that comes my direction will will, um, dislodge me. We don't battle against flesh and blood. We battle against authorities and rulers and principalities and evil forces in the dark realm. We don't fight people. We fight a spiritual warfare, and we have been armored up to stand fast in that battle. Do you remember the status of Paul as he's, as he's writing this book to Ephesians? He, he, we read about it today in Ephesians chapter 4. He said, I, Paul, a prisoner. He was a prisoner of Rome. So I imagine Paul being a prisoner. He, he's looking over at this Roman soldier guarding him, and the analogies just begin to flow. He sees this fighting machine and all this armor that, that is used to equip that person for effectiveness in, in that physical warfare, and he begins to take it to the spiritual realm, and he says, oh, I see what the helmet represents. It represents the salvation. I see what that belt represents. It represents a belt of truth, and he gives us some real insight in how to stand fast. So what we're going to do today is put some armor on, and we're going to stand firm in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the first piece that we put on as a follower is what is called the belt of truth. The belt of truth. Now, for a Roman soldier, their belt wasn't like our little dress belt guys that we wear to church. It was this big, thick, heavy belt. I don't have one. The closest thing I have is this tool belt. I got it for Christmas a couple years ago. This is the first time I've ever worn it, basically, was today. So just to let you know, I'm putting it to some good use. <laughs> I do a lot of work. I do. I'm a, oh, well, I won't get into that. But I just never think to put this thing on. Uh, but, it, but the Roman belt looked more like this utility belt. It was thick. It protected the, the soft underbelly of the soldier and protected the kidneys. Um, and it had all kinds of little doodads to hang things on, like their shield and their sword and the, the, their breastplate connected to it. So it became this essential element that held everything together. And so we're told that for the, for the Christ follower... Um, that it, that it is a belt of truth. And so what, it, what we're being told here is spiritually, for you and I, we're supposed to hang everything on truth in our lives. The truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, so as a follower of Jesus, you're held together and protected by the truth of Christ. And your reality of life should be shaped by God then in his word. This should shape who you are and how you see life. Um, um, our central quest in life needs to be this. All of the areas of our life finding alignment under the truth and authority of Jesus and his words. It's a key piece of equipment for becoming a warrior that you're meant to be in the spiritual realm. Now, the second piece of of equipment that the Roman soldier uh, had that Paul talks about is the breastplate. And and of course, he calls it the breastplate of righteousness. For the Roman soldier, they would put on this this kind of, you know, uh, uh, fish-looking kind of... uh, 
breastplate of, uh, as a male, you know, kind of male, think, linked stuff all together, right? Uh, so this, this breastplate, was, it was flexible, but yet it was like fish scales of armor on you that went from the neck basically down uh, to the thigh. And its main duty was protection of the heart. It was not comfortable to wear. It was probably really hot to wear and probably did some chafing. But in a, in a battle, wow, would you be thankful that you had your heart protected, Amen. You know what protects our heart? The righteousness of Jesus Christ. Our breastplate is Jesus' righteousness. So Jesus is your righteousness. And as 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us, he who knew no sin, Jesus who knew no sin, became sin on our behalf so that we may become the righteousness of God. So as a believer, you have to understand you are clothed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And that is meant to protect your heart from the attacks of the enemy. So when you're accused and when, when doubt is thrown your way, you simply respond by saying, I stand under the blood and the protection of the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So let's go on now to feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The Roman soldier wore a really heavy sandal, and they were laced up uh, to their, basically to their knee. But they had something else. They had modern-day technology for them. They had spikes sticking out of the bottom of their sandals, kind of like what I did with these old tennis shoes. I'm repurposing them. Now I can just go home and throw them away, amen? But at any rate, they had these spikes. It was like nails sticking out of the bottom of their shoes. I tell you what. That was like modern technology in that time. It gave them really firm footing to engage in battle. I, I, I couldn't help but think of all the analogies of, of our times. Um, I think of the, uh, of the advancement of, of tennis shoes, for instance. I remember playing basketball in the 70s. I wore Chuck Taylors. Uh, some of you now wear them. They're kind of a dress thing for, for people. They're the worst tennis shoe ever. All they were was a hunk of rubber molded to some canvas. You'd run along playing in the game and pieces of rubber would just start flying out of your shoe. You always had to have spare shoes because they would blow up at any moment and they just killed your feet. Well, then along comes superstars like Michael Jordan. Remember him? Some of you do. Now it's LeBron James or whatever. But, uh, and we have Air Jordan shoes and Nike just escalated the shoe technology like crazy. And you had these Air Jordans. You could pump them up with a little air pump on the side and all that. And they had leather tops and great support for the foot. Man, if you play modern basketball, you have no idea. You should be grateful for, for that technology advancement. Uh, about two years before we moved here, uh, I, I played noon ball at, 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 uh, in Williston at, um, at the well. That was uh, the Tetons' home there. They were the junior college in town. And I remember one time a young guy came and he had a little silver suitcase. I'm not kidding you. It was, you know, and he opens up the silver suitcase and guess what he has in there? Silver shoes. Silver basketball shoes. And all the older guys like me gathered around and we just mocked this, this kid like crazy. Are you serious? You just brought your basketball shoes in a little suitcase? You know, and I thought, how far we have come in shoe wear, except for you women. <laughs> High heels have been the worst shoe design ever. Amen? About six years ago, Five years ago, I can't remember what it was, I agreed in a moment of weakness to go on this walk a mile in her shoe thing. All right, some of you know what that's about, amen? And I thought, well, the cause is great is about women, you know, who are abused or sex trafficking. I want to remember that I'm, I'm, I'm sure that I can walk a mile in high heels. That can't be that hard. Oh my goodness. I have never had such pain in my life. Now, someone said, well, you know, women don't normally wear three or four inch high heels. I said, yeah, I know. 
they're terrible. I mean, I got done and I said, oh man, I, I think I hurt my foot for real, you know? And I thought, I'll never ever again mock a woman who wears high heels. You are, man, kudos to you. You are a strong individual. Amen? So footwear, it matters tremendously in life. And in Christ, we're told we have the sure footing of peace and we're graced to share the good news of salvation. Ephesians 2.14 tells us this, for Jesus himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. So no matter what you are going through as a person, no matter what you're facing as a follower of Jesus Christ, what do you have? What's your sure footing? His peace, amen? And in a world full of anxiety and full of all kinds of conflict and problems, if you are simply a follower who exhibits peace, you will stand out like crazy, amen? Plus, you can bear the good news of peace to others. You have the firm foundation in Jesus to do that. I love Isaiah 52, 7. It says, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation. So we have this footwear in Jesus Christ, amen, that no matter what we face, we can stand fast in peace. And not only that, but we can proclaim peace to those around us. Now we're to take up the shield of faith next, Paul says. Now, when Paul says shield here, he's not talking about a little round shield. That's, that was decorative mostly for the Roman soldier. When they went to war, they had a big shield that looked something like this. I used an old piece of plywood in my garage here to kind of get you seeing how big it was. But this shield was Huge! It was a massive shield. You know why? Because if I have someone shooting a whole bunch of arrows at me and trying to kill me, you know what I'm going to do? This. Amen? I don't want to die. How about you? I, I don't care if I look good. I want a big, massive, honking shield. Amen? To hide behind. And that's the shield that the Roman would take into battle. It was a big, massive shield. So when we're talking about take up the shield of faith, it's supposed to be this, a massive thing that we're doing. We're supposed to understand the strength of it. In fact, um, I think in, it's, it's in 1 Peter 1.5, yeah. It says that through faith you are shielded by God's uh, power. It's, 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 it's kind of this great power that we're shielded by when we're in, in God. So, listen. Faith in us is by God's word, by hearing God's word and believing God's word. And so faith comes by hearing God's word, receiving it with understanding and acceptance. And if we neglect God's word in our life, chances are the amount of neglect that we give to the, the word of God and the inputting of the word of God into our lives is directly proportional to the strength of the faith that we'll have in our life. Amen. And we're supposed to be people who really take in God's word and have this strong faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, part of God's design is that we do Christianity. i got to take this belt off because it's like coming down. There we go. Anyway, part of the thing we got to understand is that, that in Christ, we're supposed to do faith in a community way. In, in the Roman culture, in the Roman times, these shields would link up with each other and they would form this great wall so you'd have this this roman army coming at you and all you see with this a bunch of shields like this coming at you and they would run in the battle like that and it was like literally a wall coming at you that was impenetrable and and listen when you and i link up together in our faith 
We became a wall against our enemy, Satan. Amen? We become something that has to be reckoned with. Satan wants to divide and conquer. He wants us to think we should do this Christianity thing on our own. One soldier is easy to overcome. You get a whole bunch of soldiers linked together. Man, that's strong. Amen? And so we got to understand that sometimes our faith is drastically increased when we link together. You know, we encourage each other. Our, our, our gifts are activated. Our, our hope escalates. Our dreams become bigger because we got other followers around us encouraging us in our what? Faith. Now, in the Roman time, this shield was made up of leather. And it was woven together. And it was flexible and kind of pliable. And every morning that Roman soldier would go through a ritual. He would get up, he had a little vial of oil, and he would rub oil into the leather to keep it supple and keep it flexible because a brittle shield was, was disaster for a Roman. If someone hit that shield and it shattered, you were defenseless. And so they kept that pliable. And for the Christian, we got to understand that our faith is anointed by the Holy Spirit. It's like the oil of the Spirit. When he comes into our lives, he keeps our faith pliable and, and reliable. Amen. So our, our, our faith is reliant on God's word and reliant on the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And before the Roman soldier would go into battle, they would take this thing and they would plunge it into the water. And it would soak up water. And so when they were going into battle, one of the tactics that was common during the Roman era was shooting flaming arrows at each other. And so that flaming arrow would come in and go, thump, right into the shield, and it would just extinguish. It was really a, a neat technological, so to speak, war advance for them. And what we have to understand is when we have this faith of God happening, when we're walking side by side with others, when the word of God's active in our life, and when the Holy Spirit is anointing us, the enemy can fire his darts at us and shoot his flaming arrows at us, and what happens? The whoop. They're just extinguished. Amen? Amen? And that's what we're supposed to see. That's the picture we're supposed to get here. Um, so I'm going to put that down softly over there. Um, So faith comes by hearing God's word, receiving it with understanding. I want us to do just a a faith declaration today. Um, And I hope that they got this, uh, if they could put this scripture on the the board here, Hebrews 11.1 here. Let's say this out loud together. Would you say this with me? Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Jesus said in John 20, 29, blessed are those who have not seen me yet believe in me. That would be us. Amen? Blessed are you because you have given your life to Jesus Christ and received him by faith, but yet you've never seen him in person, so to speak. Now we're going to take the helmet of salvation and put it on. Um, uh, The helmet for the Roman soldier was just vital. You put on the helmet, you know, because if you get a blow to the head, you're dead. You're done. You go down. It doesn't matter if you have a shield or a sword or great shoes or whatever. Once the brain was damaged, the rest of the armor would become pretty useless. And the assurance of the Christ follower uh, is, uh, you know, the, the protection, the helmet for the Christ follower is that of salvation. It's our defense against what the enemy throws at us. It's that we have salvation in our God. The follower of Jesus can destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God um, and take every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. And oftentimes, our, our battle begins in our mind. And so let's talk about how to wear the helmet of salvation. First of all, renew your mind. 
constantly renew your mind on Scripture. Um, Romans 12, 1 tells us to do this. Um, it says, you know what? Uh, you, you take on, on, on God's way of thinking and get rid of the old way. Demolish wrong thinking. Uh, put it to bed. Uh, wash away the world's filth and lies and confusion from your mind with God's truth. Renew your mind constantly. That's putting on the helmet of salvation. Reject doubts. We humans are very sensory in our understanding, so we think things, if they don't uh, you know, come in through our five senses, we have a difficult time believing them. And, and much of what happens with God is simply this. We have to, in spite of what we see and hear and feel, we have to choose to what? We have to choose to believe him. We have to reject doubt. Because as James chapter 1 verse 6 says, if you doubt, you're like a wave in the sea blown to and fro uh, by the wind. And then I love this one, keep an internal perspective. Keep an internal perspective. Your salvation is the most precious gift that you'll ever have in your life. And it can help you weather storms that comes your way. You have to choose to live by this model. If it doesn't have eternal significance, it's not going to be that important to me. If it doesn't have eternal significance, it's not going to be that important to me. And then understand this. This is another way we wear our helmet of salvation. Victory for you and I is already accomplished. Jesus has already given us that victory. We're dead to sin and we're alive to Christ. Count yourself that way. So let's go to the sword of the Spirit. Oftentimes when we hear this word sword uh, of, of the Spirit or we think of the Roman sword, we think of this big honking sword like this, right? Dave has this hanging up on his wall. I'm not sure why you have that hanging on your wall. Um, but I said, can I use this sword? This is what we think of when we think of the sword of the Spirit. Some big old honking thing. Now, here's the problem with this sword. It's not the one that Paul's talking about here in the scripture. Why? What do I have to do to, to, to wield this sword? What, what are my hands doing? Most likely, I would have to use what? Two hands. What would I not be holding if I'm doing that with two hands? Shield of faith. It, it, for a Roman soldier, he did not go into battle with a big sword like this because he had to carry the seal. In fact, uh, he had to carry a shield. In fact, if I'm a Roman soldier, I'm hiding behind this shield an awful lot. It's my buddy. It's my friend. And you know what I got? I got this cruising air sword. <laughs> it's an 18-inch sword. Basically, it's what they had. And so here's how the Roman soldier would fight. Amen? Why? I don't want to die. Do you want to die? I could look really cool like, you know, one of the round knights or something with this baby, but I'm going to die real fast. You know why? Because I'm swinging my sword and someone's just going to shoot me with an arrow. I'm dead. Amen? But I'm back here going like this. What do you see? Just an arm? That's, that's how they fought. And so, anyway, you get the picture, right? It's kind of a fun picture. Go down, rest. At any rate, um, so this is a sword. It's more like this intimate, up-close, hand-to-hand combat that the Apostle Paul's talking about here. And he is saying this, just like the Roman soldier had to really know how to handle this knife. It was for this dagger. It was for defense, but it was also an offensive weapon. They were training in it all the time. We as Christ followers have to understand that we're to train ourselves in the Word of God. We're to know the Word of God. It's our defense, and it's also our offense. And we're to be really, really adept at using the Word of God. And so we're supposed to spend a lot of time being trained up in the Word of God. Um, and as Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 tells us, the Word is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. The Roman sword was sharpened up 
both sides because it was a plunge and slice up kind of thing. It wasn't this big swing thing and chop a hand off. It was plunge at their vital organ kind of thing, uh, you know, endeavor that they were undertaking. And so our, our, the word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword and is able to divide even bone from marrow, we're told. And that's the kind of weapon we're supposed to supposed to uh, wield here as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're supposed to have this kind of ability to use God's word to get at the heart of the matter, amen? To get it down to what it really matters, both for ourselves and for others. So are you kind of seeing this picture of Paul, what he's painting for us here when he says, armor up in Jesus Christ? I mean, you put on this this heavy-duty belt, uh, this truth of God, and then, you know, right away you got this breastplate of righteousness guarding your heart. You put on these feet that are, that are, are giving you the sure footing to go and, and proclaim peace to others and experience peace yourself. Um, you take up the shield of faith uh, and it's a massive large thing that's supposed to be, uh, you know, uh, uh, enhanced or, or experienced by taking in the word of God and by the anointing of the Holy Spirit and it can quench the fiery darts of the, air, of the enemy. You put on the helmet of salvation because your brain is the command center, so to speak, of your fighting machine and without your brain, you're pretty much worthless and you're supposed to guard your mind and renew your mind and have a focus on the things of the Lord Jesus Christ and then you're supposed to take up the sword, right? And you're supposed to do battle. You're supposed to thrust and penetrate and, 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 and use the word of God in that manner. So we get all done getting armored up. And here's what Paul says. Pray. <laughs> I'm thinking, I want to run into the battle behind the shield. That's how we do. We pray. Pray on all occasions. Be alert. Always keep on praying. That, my friends, is the first step of engagement. It's a spiritual warfare. You armor up. And then what do you do? You pray. You pray in the spirit. So here's our conclusion today. Join the battle Through prayer, that's where it all starts. Pray. What the world needs, what the world desperately needs is a praying, spirit-filled church interceding on its behalf. The world doesn't need you and I to judge it. Jesus will do that. The world doesn't need us to tell it's bad off. They know. The world doesn't need us to tell, tell that there are awful anxiety and sin. They know. What does the world need us to do? If we don't pray for this world, if we don't pray for our neighbors, if we don't pray for lost ones, my question is, who will? So take up the armor of God and engage in the spiritual warfare, and it begins by praying. Just think about what I've covered with you. If we begin to do all this and pray this way, just think about how it would change your homes, your marriages, your parenting, your child raising. Think about how it would change your relationship with others. Think how it would change our church, our focus of our church, and think about how it could affect Brookings. We may not be able to change the nation, friends, but we can change this place. Amen? We can affect our local community. And if we begin by just taking up the armor of God, taking this serious, and then praying on all occasions, for all reasons, for all people, man alive, I just can't imagine the difference we'd make. So I need to quit there. I'm going to quit by ending with a prayer. So would you bow your heads, please? Um, And just receive this prayer, and I pray that it ministers uh, to your heart. Lord, I pray that we're people who believe and received Jesus by faith. Grace us to know that we are seated with you, Jesus. We rest in you, trusting you for our salvation. We walk with you knowing that you called us to put off the old life and put on the new life. 
Remake us, transform us, uh, make us into your image, Lord Jesus. And Lord, we choose this day to stand in you. We take that posture, and we're going to stand by putting on the armor that you identified for us in Ephesians 6. Uh, We put on, first of all, that belt of truth. And Lord, by your grace and by your strength and by your empowerment, uh, we're going to hang all areas of our lives on your truth. And one of the first truths that we're going to hang on that uh, that belt, Lord, so to speak, is the, the breastplate of righteousness. We know that, Jesus, you and you alone are our righteousness. Cover our hearts with your righteousness and protect us from false accusations and doubts especially doubts about our salvation. Uh, Lord, when the enemy whispers in our ear and brings accusations and condemnation, I pray we stand fast in you because you, Jesus, are our righteousness. Lord, we acknowledge today we have these feet equipped, Lord, to be peace bearers, to bring the good news of the gospel. First, the Lord, uh, we know that our, our feet are are giving us this firm foundation of experiencing peace ourselves. So whatever anyone's going through here today, Lord, I just pray they would experience your peace. And secondly, Lord, in this anxiety-ridden, turmoil-laden world, Lord, we need to take that traction of Jesus and go right into the middle of that and proclaim peace. Lord, we take up our shield of faith today, knowing that uh, it is by faith we please you. Grace us to have faith to withstand any attack of the enemy, to extinguish all the flaming arrows that are shot our direction. Lord, we put on that helmet of salvation today, realizing that much of the battle that we face in life is the battle of the mind. And Lord, I pray that our minds would be renewed, that our doubts would be uh, addressed, and Lord, that we'd always have this eternal perspective going on um, so that our minds, Lord, would be captured by you and that we could put uh, uh, to death, so to speak, anything that would rise up against you, Lord, in in our mind. And then, Lord, we take up the spirit, uh, the sword of the spirit today, that sword of the word and we know that it's a sharp sword, it's a double-edged sword, and it's able to uh, divide and, and even bone from our Lord, and it can penetrate deep. And Lord, it's, it's good for defense and it's good for offense, Lord. So help us to be trained up in how to use your word, God. I, I think of Jesus and his first temptations. And he was tempted by the devil, and he merely withstood those temptations by your word and by your promises, Lord. He just rebuked the devil time after time by just quoting your word. May we be just people who have that sword of the word activated in our lives. And Lord, I pray that if nothing else today, we walk out of here as a body committed to engage in prayer. In a prayer maybe of a different nature, a prayer that's more spiritual warfare oriented. May you just grace us for that, Lord. And I want to once again pray for all those ones who dedicated their babies today, their children. God, would you just grace them to do everything I just talked about in this message in the raising of their children. I pray that for all of us, that we would invest in our children and raise them in a way they should go when they're old, they'll not depart from it. God, I just pray that we would be the Christ followers you intend us to be. Pray all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.